The following is a podcast from Live It, a ministry of St. Marcus. For more information or for message notes, go to www.liveitmke.org. How is your vision? Can everybody read the top line? E. Well, you're pretty close. How many, how many people wear corrective lenses? Uh, why do you? Cheaters. Okay, so, okay, so to, to, help you, to help you read a little bit, um, we have LASIK eye surgery. How many, how many have got rid of the corrective lenses because you got LASIK? Okay, so there's a few people who have done that to modify it. Um, I hear never play NFL football within two weeks of having LASIK surgery. Some player from the Panthers got, his, got hit so hard that whatever suture you do actually broke because he got hit so hard a couple of weeks ago. So never play in the NFL if you're going to have LASIK. We have vision modifications. Today I look a little different. Most of the time I wear glasses. Today I put in contacts. What was weird this last time I went to the eye doctor is he told me that in spite of the fact that you have contacts in, that you will also need reading glasses. And I said, now that seems very strange to me because isn't the contact in there in order to change it? So if, if you noticed, um, this is jacked up way high, you know, most people would have it down here, and then I'm still kind of was having trouble reading right off of the lectern. See, we can do all these things to try to modify our vision, but it's not always that easy because there might be something far away that we have a hard time seeing. It might be something close that we have a hard time seeing. Sometimes something that we're supposed to be having close by, we have to go like this or have somebody else hold it so that I can read it uh, off of that page. But we understand how valuable our vision is. Grandma Chevy is 93 right now, and Grandma Chevy does not have the same vision that she did. And, and she wishes that she could go back and see what's going on on the television. She kind of hears and listens. She kind of sees a little bit of what is on her plate, but a lot of times there's, there's fumbling around on, on her plate and everybody kind of helps her, uh, helps to feed her. We have these visions, we have, we have this idea of what a vision is, what we're looking for. We're now in, at the end of the first week of February. And I'm guessing roughly six weeks ago, we had a vision of what 2016 was going to look like. Has your vision been fulfilled? I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that probably not everyone is completely happy with that New Year's resolution that was made. Now it's new opportunities and new chances, and 2016 is going to be different. But I'm guessing some of you, like me, have wandered from the diet already. Some of you don't exercise like me as much as I would have liked to. Maybe we've already had a breakup, a loss of job, an illness, the loss of a loved one. And nobody really wraps their mind around and says, well, Lord, as I embark on this new year, I'm prepared for anything. I'm prepared for loss and tragedy and sadness. Nobody thinks that. And yet we realize because of our sinful condition that that is a reality that all of us deal with. Sometimes it brings us 
to tears. We are sad. But sometimes it is those, they are those things that wake us up. A friend is in a major accident and is clinging on to life. And then all of a sudden you realize, well, friends are pretty valuable. And my life is fleeting and it's not going to last forever. And I better always wear my safety belt because I don't want to be in that same predicament, perhaps, down the line. The things that God puts into our lives changes us. And it changes us with intent. It's always with the intent of drawing us closer to him. In the Old Testament lesson that we read from the book of Exodus, God had a desire to bring his chosen people closer to him. When you think, it's kind of strange in our mind that we go through the whole book of Genesis and really there is no particular law that God's people are supposed to follow. We have to wait till after they were enslaved for 430 years in Egypt and they finally get out into the desert before they're ready to go into the promised land and God says, now is the time I'm going to give you the law. It's no wonder that there, are, uh, that there is killing and that there is um, polygamy and that there are all, and there's deception and deceit, hatred, all the things that you read about in Genesis because that's a part of our sinful nature. And if we don't have something standing in front of us like a law to reel us back in, well, our vision is going to be skewed. We think we've got to take care of ourselves. We only look out for ourselves and it doesn't matter what goes on around us or what kind of damage we do to others. So God gave Moses his law and said, give this to my people. But you might say it was too much for them to bear and so often it's too much for us to bear too. We don't necessarily want to look at the law. We have a hard time looking in the mirror and seeing how many times we failed our perfect God, his high expectations for us. Our vision is not always in line with what God's vision is for our lives. But fortunately, our God, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the time of Jesus, the God of the New Testament, the God of today, was merciful and compassionate and loving. And he sent his son into the world to make a payment for our sins, to change our vision, but then also to change the vision that God has of us. I probably used this analogy the first time I was here uh, a few months ago, this idea of, I always think of God as having the glasses that I normally wear, and then I'm down here and God sees me as that imperfect human being, and then that cross of Christ and that empty tomb is right in between us, and Jesus sees us, and God sees us through Jesus blood-covered cross. And God's vision of us now, through faith, is perfection. You think about that. We are not convicted. We are not condemned. We no longer have to, to suffer through the fear of eternal condemnation and death. God's vision of us is pure, holy, blameless, shiny. That's why I kind of wore the shiny shirt for tonight. Got to plan ahead for important dates on the church calendar. Always wear my green blazer on Palm Sunday. 
you realize that God comes to us and he speaks to us in unique and special ways. And think about how unique and special that event on the Mount of Transfiguration was. It's interesting that Peter has just confessed eight days earlier when you see that first verse about eight days after Jesus said this where Jesus asked, who do people say I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, on this rock, this, this bedrock confession of who Jesus is, I'm going to build my church big C. Christians are going to always go back to Jesus is the one who changes it all. He is our foundation. And eight days later, Jesus steals away Peter, James, and John. Let's go up on this mountain. And what happens? Well, if you're thinking mountains, um, I'm guessing they didn't have spiked boots. They might have had, you know, the fancy staff like we picture in in Scripture. You know, maybe that staff that helps them climb up. But if you're going up on a mountain, you're going to be tired. And so shortly after getting up there, you know, Jesus is praying. The disciples are praying. And then we hear that they're starting to get a little bit tired. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Jesus and Moses and Elijah in this awesome spectacle. Jesus looking like as, as bright as lightning. I don't know how close you've ever been to lightning, but that powerful shock that beats into your eyes. It was a life-changing experience for them. Because they had already seen miracles. They had already seen Jesus heal. They had heard Jesus preach and teach, but now all things were going to be new for them. They were going to see Jesus, yes, for, the remain, for, for what was left of his ministry, but they would always have that vision of what was to come. It's interesting, at the end of this lesson, we're told that they didn't tell anybody until after the resurrection. That was when it all kind of came together and all the blanks were filled in. Ah, now we get it. Now Peter would understand why Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, when, when Peter said, you're never going to die. We need, you, we need you here to be our teacher and to be our leader. Jesus' vision in this world was to come and be the full payment for our sins. And that's why the, the great depiction in that song of taking us from the manger and then taking us into the Jordan River at the beginning of Jesus' ministry where he was anointed and where he was baptized and what he was going to have to endure during Holy Week, Monday, Thursday, into Good Friday when he's mocked and ridiculed and he's beaten and he's spit upon and eventually he's nailed to the cross. All along that was Jesus' vision. Here is what I have to do to change the vision of everybody else. To change the vision of God in heaven who looks down on us. Kind of interesting as you start making the comparisons. The disciples who Jesus coaxes out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Watch with me. 
I'm on my way to, the, I'm on my way to another hill. I'm on my way to, to Calvary where I'm going to be hung to die. Come and pray with me. And, and well, they were tired and sleepy then too. And then the shock of the system. The torches that came in the night to come and arrest Jesus and lead him away. The mountains of the Bible and the mountains of our God. The mountain of Sinai where the law was given and reminds us of how imperfect we are. The mountain of transfiguration where that voice of God booms once again. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him just as he was there at that baptism in the Jordan. And then that going on to the Mount of Golgotha. Mountains become so prevalent as we think. And the thought is, one day, God will take us to that holy mountain as well. That hill that we call heaven. Where it is no physical place. There is no geography or topography. It is the thing that reveals to us all things that are new where we'll see Jesus in all perfection, where we will see his glory. But at this time, Jesus says, I need my disciples. I need them to understand just exactly what my purpose is and that there is something to look forward to after I leave them. Dear friends, This is true for you and me as well. And I'm afraid to to use the reference, that idea of becoming sleepy, that maybe in these first six weeks of the new year, maybe we've become a little sleepy. You get all jacked up on Christmas, you're high on life, um, and then you take everything down. And Epiphany reveals God's glory, reveals who Jesus is. He does miracles. But it's kind of that in-between time, and now on Wednesday... Ash Wednesday, we'll embark on the season of Lent when we're a little more solemn, a little more contemplative. We, our sins might become just that much more recognizable. But I've said this before, I'm not a, I'm not a great law preacher. I'm not the one who loves to bang on the pulpit and jump and get in your face and tell you how dirty and rotten you are because I know I'd have to turn it right on myself. How dirty and rotten I am. I smile way too much. Even when I try to redirect people and I'm kind of ticked off. It's kind of, it's one of these faces. I I can't just, I can't anymore. You recognize and you realize that God's mercy does that to us. It releases us. It gives us freedom. It gives us confidence and hope and assurance For the vision. The vision that is ahead where in heaven all things are new. We have this great section of scripture that reveals a very special event in the life of Jesus. But it's something that is for our life as well. We think of our death as being the time for eternal life. But if we really understand the vision of God, we have to understand that we are living eternal life right now. It's what moves us and gives us the courage and enjoyment in serving God. And in doing so, also serving others. Showing care and compassion and love to those who are in need. 
reminding them that there is a Savior who loved them enough, who came into this world, who lived the perfect life that they couldn't, and so they don't have to feel guilty, who gave them courage, who gives us courage and hope and something to look forward to. Our eyes will no longer be tired and we won't need the corrective lenses, the contacts will be gone and the glasses will be out and LASIK won't matter because one day we will see Jesus face to face just as he is, just as he revealed himself on this Mount of Transfiguration. It's no surprise that Peter said, let me set up some shelters because I want to bottle this up. I want to keep it. I think we do that at Christmas time. We want, we want to bottle it up because we sing Silent Night and it's so peaceful and serene and we're together with those whom we love and we recognize that God has come to us. We would want to bottle up Easter because you got the lilies and the trumpets and the music is just cranking out as we sing, Alleluia. But even on the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, in the middle of September, we'll still hear God's word and it'll affect us and it'll change us and it'll move us. And it'll remind us of the vision that God has for us here on this earth that we would live for him, and that we would be reminded that one day we will live with him as well. As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which, was, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. The conversation that needed to be had. My time is now, I'm sure Jesus shared with them. I'm going to go, and one week everybody's going to be waving their palms and, and shouting, Hosanna, Savior, come and save us. And then by the end of the week, they're all going to be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Well, Jesus was going to leave this earth, but right now he's still in control. He's in that heavenly realm where all things are new, and he still reigns and rules in our hearts right now. The ascension still resonates, because just as he went into heaven out of the sight of his disciples, he's going to come back. And I honestly have to say, I hope that I am alive when he returns. When When you think about that, and all the world will see him, It's hard for me to grasp, but to see Jesus in all power, coming to take me, coming to take you, coming to take all believers to be with him. And if I fall asleep in death before that day, I look forward to the reuniting of body and soul and the the glory that awaits us there. It's those things that create joy and excitement and enthusiasm. It's why we come together to sing the hymns of praise, to offer our prayers, to rejoice in what our Savior has done. Next week, I guess you could say, our congregation, after six months I call it our, our congregation begins really a new vision. Pastor Hein will be installed and there will be 
things that are implemented, things that will stay the same, things that will change. But you get a vision through the eyes of a new pastor. And what a gift it will be to see what the Lord has in store to move this ministry forward. I started my ministry about 16 years ago, and that was about the time that time of grace became a thing. And I lived in Missouri, and we heard about it, and then, you know, you got the little uh, half sheet that goes into your bulletin and tells you what channel you can find them locally and on your satellite provider. They still send those out. And then while I'm down there, I'm hearing about these, this awesome new way of education that's taking place. And to hear 400 miles away, or here nationally, about what's going on at St. Marcus Lutheran School in Milwaukee. How cool that is. And then recognizing that right here, right now, in our little time of history, there are countless opportunities that are still out there. And I pray that you join in on that vision. That you recognize that all things are new for God's people. Change, eh, some will like it, some don't, but it's inevitable. There's that change. But one thing is never going to change. It's going to be the view that goes beyond Palmer. It goes beyond these walls. It goes beyond the city, this county, this whole area. It's the vision that we have of bringing more people into contact with Jesus as their Savior so that they can live forever with him and have that same joy as us. So how is your vision? I pray that after these few minutes, you recognize there's so much to live for and there's so much to look forward to because we've got that vision of heaven waiting for us. Peter, James, and John got to see it. They're enjoying it now. And we see it on the pages of Scripture, but we get to look forward to it each and every day. May God be praised for his mercy. May we rejoice in Jesus, our Savior, and what he's done for us. And may we look forward to that day when all things will be new for us in the glory of heaven. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.